pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Week That Was with Joe Palmisano. Twas four days before Christmas and one before Hanukkah. And all through this place, there is no one but us, not even a trace. The coffee is brewing on the burners back there in hopes that the strength of it will grow back my hair. Bazika is snuggled, all nestled in his bed, with visions of me calling him, filling him with dread. And Stephen with his buttons and Jay David with the news. They'd rather be elsewhere, likely getting a snooze. When out in the lobby there rises a clatter, it's Dale fixing equipment with some tools and a ladder. To the studio window I flew like a flash, kicking baskets all over and spilling the trash. But what would my wondering eyes should appear? Nothing. Just nothing. Because no one is here. Just Dale, not talking, going straight to his work completing his task. Then he turned with a jerk. And straight, and laying a finger aside of his nose, he packed up his gear from the floor he rose. He sprung to his office and then raced to the door, then noticed a wrench he had left on the floor. As he walked out of the door, disappearing from sight, he said, Merry Christmas to all, and oh, have a good show. I I know that doesn't rhyme, but that's what he said. I don't think he cared about the rhyme. Welcome to the pre-holiday version of the week that was. I'm so glad that you're joining me today, and I wish you all a wonderful and blessed Christmas and Hanukkah. Uh, It is also the shortest day of the year, which, which I love. Not because it's the shortest day of the year, but because everything from here on will be brighter. What a perfect way to start the year. I'm not going to tell you what we have on today. Uh, It's a veritable Christmas potpourri of fun, stories, and more. I will tell you that at 9 o'clock, we are going to have... Uh, a young man that I love, a uh, young man that is uh, I'm I'm so excited for, and I'm excited for Louisville too, because they finally got it right. Took a year, but they got it right. Troy Davis is going to I'm going to have him on the show at nine talking about he is the new head football coach at Louisville. Um. Just absolutely deserving of this. The journey. We talk about the journey so often. We talk about 
um, you know, it's not so much getting to the destination. It's the journey that goes into it. And sometimes the journey takes you through curves, takes you through to dead ends that seem like dead ends at the time. And then it turns out at the end of the journey that that dead end or seemingly dead end was a much needed part of the journey. And I think that's the exact story with with Troy. I think it's so many people that would stop at that dead end that seems like a dead end, I'll say again. And they stop there and they think, well, I didn't get my dream position. I didn't get to my goal. And I'm just going to stop and give up. Troy didn't do that. He did what we all should do. And that is find that path that didn't look like it was there. Um, And then get to the point that ultimately gets you to the point where you want it to be. And actually in better position to be at that point, if that all makes sense. We'll explain it all when I talk to Troy, because I want to talk to him from a philosophical standpoint, the journey he went through, uh, his plans for Louisville, why this is such a great hire for Louisville. I mean, I absolutely love Troy. I think he's an unbelievable person. He has grown so much in the journey that it makes him even better prepared for what's coming ahead. And I've got a lot of other things to talk about. Um, obviously, we've got to talk about the impeachment. I don't. I don't want to spend time on it. A little bit of time. Uh, But it's funny to me that after it was news for 24 hours a day, since the impeachment by the House of Representatives, the vote to impeach, it's gone away. It's not even in headlines, hardly. People aren't talking about it anymore. It's like, okay, it's done. Now what? We go to the Senate. It gets wiped away. If they ever send the articles there of impeachment, which they're saying now they they don't want to send them, they could hold on to them forever, which just absolutely blows me away. But we'll talk about that. And we've got a lot of other funny things. I, I, I want to get into, uh, we're going to get into sports. Um, I'm going to tell you some stories today. Christmas stories of uh, true stories of people who passed it forward, who moved it forward, who did different things for Christmas that should inspire you. Um, I'm going to talk about my favorite Christmas movies, my favorite Christmas movies, my top ten, and also some songs that aren't traditional Christmas songs. Well, they are, but they aren't. My favorite songs of Christmas that kind of bring out the feeling of Christmas that aren't carols. One Christmas carol I can't stand, I have to tell you this, is the rump pom pom song. They used to scare me when I was a kid for some reason, and now I just don't get it. It's like too repetitive. There's too many rump pom poms in that song. I mean, you could only hear that so many times. Yeah, here's a sentence, rump-a-pum-pum, another sentence, rump-a-pum-pum, 
And then for good measure, they're going to repeat it three times. Rump-a-pum-pum, rump-a-pum-pum, rump-a-pum-pum. It's like a Tommy James and the Shondells song. Moany, moany, kind of repetitive. I don't like that, Carol. There's some great ones, but I don't like that one. You don't care. Do you care? I don't think anybody cares. But anyway, when we come back, um, we're going to get into our contest, the answers. This is going to be a hard contest, by the way. And then we'll get into some stories, different things. Just keep talking and get your opinion on things if you want. 330-450-1480. Someone's calling. It's not contest time yet. I'm just giving the answers. Stay tuned. Yes, I'm going to give you your answers now. Later on in the show, I'll give you the questions. This is our trifecta contest. Our patented, unique, individual trifecta contest. And this is a, again, $25 gift card to George's Lounge, known for great burgers and more. Downtown Canton. This is a great place. $25 gift certificate. Certificate. And the theme today is Christmas movies. Christmas movie quotes, actually. I'm going to give you the Christmas movie now, three of them. Later on in the show, I'll give you quotes, and you'll have to match those quotes up with the movie. Ooh. Ooh, I like this, Joe. Well, you're welcome. I um, The first movie is A Charlie Brown Christmas. A Charlie Brown Christmas. One of my favorites. Second movie is A Christmas Story. I, one, again, one of my favorites. And the third one is A Christmas Carol. So... A Charlie Brown Christmas, A Christmas Story, and A Christmas Carol. Those are the three answers. Later on in the show, I will give you, you don't know when, I'll give you the quotes, and you'll have to match them up. And if you match them up, you get the $25 gift certificate to George's Lounge for some great burgers. Um... There's so many stories today. The um, the the one I I'm getting into this the winter solstice. Uh, winter arrives at eleven nineteen p.m. I wonder, is it like we put out milk and cookies and it arrives at eleven? How, how does it arrive at eleven nineteen? Who comes up with this? Does he have an ETA or something like that? It's like, what if it's delayed? If it's an American Airlines, it'll be late. If he's arriving on American, it'll be late or delayed or or canceled completely. Yeah, Delta's not bad. Delta's on time. I like flying Delta. I prefer Delta. Well, they might lose your luggage, but they arrive on time. What's more important? I know, I'm kidding. 
So the winter solstice means autumn has officially come to an end, which means spring is closer. That's the way I look at it. I'm I'm actually jacked. It's not that Christmas is here, or Christmas, winter. It's actually that from now on, it starts the uptick. It's going to be a little bit lighter tomorrow, a little bit longer. I think that's a great thing. I, um, you know, as we celebrate, and I'm looking for the story, but as we celebrate Christmas, we also are celebrating, we also have to give credit and and recognize uh, Hanukkah because that is actually coming up tomorrow at sunset is Hanukkah. Um, It lasts December 22nd tomorrow. At sundown it starts and lasts until Monday, December 30th. What is Hanukkah? Hanukkah, which is Hebrew for dedication, is the festival of lights. It commemorates, and I could be wrong, and and I defer this to my Jewish friends, but from everything I've read, Hanukkah is a Hebrew for dedication. It commemorates the victory of the Maccabees over the Syrian Greek army and the subsequent miracle uh, of redire- uh, rededicating the holy temple at Jerusalem and, and restoring its menorah or its lamp. The miracle that happened during Hanukkah, during this time, was that only one vial of oil was found, just enough oil to illuminate the temple lamp for one day, and yet it lasted for a full eight days. So it was a miracle. And that is what Hanukkah represents. Thus, the menorah and everything that goes with Hanukkah. So, happy Hanukkah as it begins tomorrow for our Jewish friends. Um, When we come back, we're going to get John Bazika on the phone. We're going to wake him up from his slumber. And, uh, by the way, John's been working like nonstop for the last two weeks, uh, like Pam Cook, like a lot of people. But probably, you know, John's up early. He's doing games last night. So he took a couple weeks to just chill, get ready for Christmas. Um, but he comes in every half hour to do the sports, and then he leaves, goes back and goes to sleep. Well, we're going to wake John up. We're going to talk about the Browns. We're going to talk about the Hall of Fame class, who I think could be in it. Uh, what's the other story that I wanted to get into? Oh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner from Athens, Ohio, and his speech. We're going to get into all those things with Joe Bazika when we come back. Stay tuned. The week that was will continue. Yes, I got a text from my wife 
And she's, I know a lecture's coming when she starts out, dear heart. But she said, dear heart, it's not the Rump-a-Pum-Pum song. It's called The Little Drummer Boy with four, five exclamation points after it. All right, Little Drummer Boy. <clears throat> Should be the Rump-a-Pum-Pum song. And I got something for you, Kirby. If a man says he's going to fix it, he will. There is no need to remind me every three months. All right, let's go to John Bazika. John, what's up? It, it is the rum pum 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 song. I know. Kirby said, no, I think it's I think it's Little Drummer Boy. No, it it is Little Drummer Boy, but but I just I wanted to sound like I was on your side. You know, I wanted to make you feel good about it. Yeah, we men have to stick together. We're an That's endangered right. we're an endangered species. That's right. We're we're men. We we smoke cigars and drink bourbon and do all that. whatever. Yeah, and sleep in on Saturday morning. <laughs> Did you hear my poem? I didn't. I didn't get to hear your Well, poem. I'll just read your line. Okay. Bazika is nestled all snug in his bed. With visions of me calling him, filling him with dread. <laughs> and, and here you are. I, um, John, I'm sure you've heard this, uh, but the Browns can make the playoffs. I, I have heard this, and I have played out every scenario in my head, and and... For some reason, Joe, it's it's not as crazy as it may seem. No, I mean, look at this. First of all, Cleveland has to be Baltimore, which is a yes. It's a tall task, but they have to be Baltimore. All right, so they beat Baltimore week sixteen. The Jets beat the Steelers. Now this is played in in New York. Mm-hmm. That's not far fetched at all. No. The Saints beat the Titans. Not far fetched at all. No. The Colts beat the Panthers. And not it's at it's at the Colts, not far fetched. All right. Well and 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 I was reading that Carolina I think is gonna start a first time quarterback in, in Will Greer, the kid from uh West Virginia. Yes, they are. Really good. So that favors Jacoby Brissett, who's you know, kind of um I guess taking some heat right now because people are saying that he's not playing very well, but you know, I think that guy's had as good a year as you can. He found out he was going to be the starting quarterback of a team that had been Andrew Luck's team for, you know, the last seven or eight years, and he was told a month before the season, hey, it's your team now, Jacoby. So, yeah, he's I, done I, well. Yeah, I, I think they should cut that guy some slack and not be so critical of him if he's having a couple of rough games. He's had a rough year to begin with. The fact that they're 6-8 and eight under him says a lot about who he is. But we need to have them win. So he we needs do. to do well. So now you go to week 17. The Browns beat the Bengals. That's not far-fetched very, at all. Very possible. Especially if they beat the Ravens. Yes. Then the Ravens have to beat the Steelers. Not far-fetched. Very possible. Texans have to beat the Titans again. I think it can be done. It can. And then the Colts beat the Jaguars. So if all that happens... If all of that happens, 
Cleveland finishes number six at eight and eight. Yeah. They do it because of a tiebreaker. But the Colts, it's imperative that the Colts finish eight and eight also. Because then they would have the tiebreaker with the Colts. So I want to ask you a question about all this. Let's say this whole scenario comes to be because I've had this discussion now with about 20 people this week. <laughs> and okay. And every time I get a different response from somebody, let's say they do make the playoffs. Let's say they play very competitive in their playoff game. They come up a touchdown short because they're at New England, which might be a possibility, or they have to go to a team that's just a little bit better than them. Right. Do you keep Freddie Kitchens? Ooh, yeah, I think you do then. I think you have to then. Okay. It's pretty hard to fire a guy after you've made the playoffs for the first time in, what, forever? Yeah. So it would be pretty hard to, if they beat the Ravens tomorrow, beat Cincinnati, and for some reason get into the playoffs, how do you fire a guy who goes 8-8, and makes the playoffs for the first time, and has them and ends in a in a strong note. You can't. You, you know, can't. here's here's the whole thing with the 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 fire Freddie Camp and I was in that camp. I'm in it right last. now. Yeah, me too. And and I I normally am not Joe because I you know, if there's one thing that that you've taught me, you know, about coaching is that one of the keys to coaching is consistency. Yes. You know, one of the keys to building success and building, as you always say, culture is consistency. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think that I think that if the Browns fire him, despite all of the issues that they've been through, it still adds to that culture that it's not necessarily even what's happening inside the Browns locker room. It's just the vision that's being created outside of that to the league. The yeah. league still views the Browns as a team that, well, you know, they get a coach, they go seven and nine, they fire him. You know, so why, why do other teams have a reason to be scared of the Browns, even with all of the talent that they have? Well, here's the reason: if 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 for some reason it continues to go south for the rest of the season, and you've got a culture that that has been that has played out the entire season of a lack of discipline, of people talking too much, of people getting too many penalties, of of all the things that have gone on with the Browns this year. You have to change the culture, and you need to bring in someone who's an old-school head, who, who has had experience as a head coach, who's been a successful head coach, like Ron Rivera, like um, McCarthy, somebody who has been a head coach. I don't like the defense. I don't like the defensive scheme right now. I don't like the offensive scheme right now. I don't think it's taking advantage of who Baker Mayfield is. Uh, I, I just don't like anything that's going on right now. And because of that, with the talent you have, and the off, you know, they've got to bring in offensive linemen, but I think you've got a clean house 
and start with a, a new experienced head coach that has some kind of respect from the players who changes the culture. Now, that being said, if they win the next two games, if they beat the Ravens tomorrow and beat the and, and finish eight and eight and are almost in the playoffs, then I think you got to stay the course. Well, and here's something that I would say: if they go eight and eight, and and they do look semi-impressive in doing so, not saying that they're going to go out and play two perfect games, because you're at the end of the year. I mean, everyone at this point is playing their heart out. Everyone at this point is going to make a couple mistakes. It's it's just the you know the law of averages. It's the way the NFL is. I think the thing that has disappointed me the most about this team, even more than the offensive issues, Joe, is the defense. Yep. I mean, they have played Brandon Allen. They have played Duck Hodges. They have played Mason Rudolph. They have played, you know, so many inexperienced first-year quarterbacks that have never seen the light of day, and Steve Wilkes refuses to put pressure on these guys. Bingo. When you have inexperienced quarterbacks, the one thing that any coach would tell you is bliss the hell out of them. Make them run for their life. And if there's one thing that teams have done to the Browns is they have forced Baker Mayfield to make quick decisions because they realize one of the Browns' huge issues this year, despite all of the weapons, is the fact that they do not have an offensive line. And you could have Tom Brady back there. You could have Peyton Manning back there. If you are not getting time to throw, it is tough, even with all the weapons that you have on your side, to win a lot of games. When the Browns traded Kevin Zeitler, who was a top 10 offensive lineman in the league, they knew what they were getting themselves into, and they were hoping that Baker would make quick decisions. But the bottom line on Baker is that he's still just a second-year quarterback. He is still learning a lot about the position and a lot about the coverages and a lot about how the game works. And when you don't give a guy like that time with all those weapons, it's going to be tough on him. And that's a big thing for them. I agree. And and so that's how it plays out. It's going to be interesting to see tomorrow what team comes out. Do they play hard? Do they get their butts whooped? Because Baltimore's got something to play for. This well, isn't this isn't a, a just a mop up game for Baltimore. They've got something to play for tomorrow. They're playing for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Well, and I'm a I'm a big believer always, Joe, in in that sometimes, and, and I know people say this is crazy when people say this, but I still believe that sometimes a matchup just favors you. And I think for some reason, the matchup against the Ravens seems to favor the Browns. I mean, even when. It was the end of the year last year, and Baltimore was starting to put it together. The Browns still played them really tough early in this year when Baltimore was still very capable of running the football and moving the ball, and they did on the Browns. If people really go back and watch that film and look at the stats from that first game, Baltimore moved the ball in between the 20s. The Browns just capitalized once the ball got in the red zone. So, you know, it's not like... It's not like this has been a team in Baltimore that's come in and always, you know, found ways to dominate the Browns. It's been the other way around. The Browns have Baltimore's number. They understand how to play Baltimore. And sometimes there are just certain teams, despite how bad your record is or how bad it's been, 
sometimes you just rise to the occasion and you play well against those teams. And, and for some reason, Baltimore seems to be that team for the Browns. Yeah, We'll see tomorrow. Hey, I've got, we've got to take a break, but don't go away. Stay, stay on the line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dread when you come back this time, though. All right, dread. Dread on. Dread on, man. Okay, John, we only have five minutes, so I'm going to get through, try and get through the two stories I wanted to talk to you about. First of all, the um, finalists came out for the Hall of Fame, and the 100th anniversary, there's going to be 20 guys in it. Um, there's going to be, and, and from the old group, uh, there's going to be 10 seniors, three contributors, two coaches as part of the, and then there's going to be five new guys, Okay. Here's my choices. You tell me okay. if you agree. Don Cor- for coaches, Don Coriel and Dick Vermeil. Uh, okay. I, you know, there's Bill Bill Cowher, Tom Flores. There's so many. But Don Coriel needs to get in, and Dick Vermeil absolutely needs to get in. Those are my we're, two. We're in agreement on one. I think Buddy Parker should be the other. Okay. Not I, I. I'm. I go with Coriel and Buddy Parker. All Those right. are my two. All right. How do you put? How do you? Dick Vermeil won it with two different franchises. I know. I, I just looking at, at the history of what Buddy Parker did okay. back in the day. I. I think he's a guy that deserves it. All right. I mean, they're they're all. Let me put it like this: they're all deserving names. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but you can only pick two. Yep. All right. Here's my contributors. There's uh, three contributors. Ralph Hay finally needs to get in. Ralph Hay, Art Modell, and Paul Tagliaboom. Those are, are my three. <laughs> we are off on one. Art Modell. Yeah, I, even though I, I understand your reasoning, and, and I had this discussion with people yesterday, and, and I don't have a problem with them going in. I'd choose Steve Sable over Art Modell. Wow. I think Art Modell, Art Modell, is, it's, he's due. He's he will, due. Joe, he will eventually get in. Yeah, but he, he will. All right, but this is the best opportunity for him. And here's my seniors. Here's okay. the guys who I think out of the whole group need to get in. Cliff Branch. Okay. Harold Carmichael. Okay. Roger Craig. Okay. Uh, Randy Gratishar. Okay. Tommy Nobus. Okay. Donnie Shell. Okay. Max Speedy. Okay. Duke Slater. Okay. Winston Hill. Okay. Ox Emerson, only because Ox is his first name. Those are my ten. The only other guy that I would put in is Dillweg, Lappy Dillweg. That's the only additional guy that I would add to that list. Otherwise, I think you're spot on. I, I've been advocating for Max Speedy to get into the Hall of Fame for years, and I know that a big reason why he's not is because he was kind of you know, blackballed by, by Paul Brown back in the day. But, I mean, if you want to talk about the key cogs of the 1940s and 50s Browns, Max Speedy was a top-five name on that team every single year. So uh, how he's gone this long without being in the hall is, is beside me. And then uh, some of those old-timers, you know, Duke Slater was 
um, one of the the better you know black players of the 1920s. So um, really, I think he was very important for the game. Plus, he was a pretty good football player too. I think he was like a first uh, five time, first time All Pro. Plus, he, he, he played tackle back in the 20s. He did. When they didn't have face masks and stuff. And he played for from 1922 to 1931. Yeah. yeah. Tackle. He, was, he, he was really a heck of a player. I mean, he was. I, I, I say that I say that having read a lot about him. He really was a heck of a player. And, I mean, And Ox Emerson, just because of the name Ox. Well, yeah. I mean, how how they how they overlooked that? How how some guy in a room wasn't just like, look, this guy's name is Ox. I mean, if a alone. guy if a guy named Pudge Pudge could get in, Ox should get in. I mean, Bronco Nagurski. I mean, you know, you, you got got Nagurski and you got you know a guy like Ox. Those are those are quintessential football names. Yeah, you got to have Ox. All right, in the time we have left, Joe Burrow's speech was unbelievable. It was. Uh, he, cared, he First of all, he deserved the Heisman. He ran away with it. Secondly, he did such an amazing job of thanking equally Ohio State and LSU. He didn't, he didn't ignore the contribution that Ohio State made in his life and in his career. I thought that was a classy move. Yeah, I, I think if there's one thing that that he's shown everyone is that he is a class individual. He's um, a young man who has his head on the right way, and uh, obviously everybody knows what he does on the football field. But when you get in front of a national stage like that, and I think the most probably the most gratifying thing about watching that is that he made it less about himself and more about other people. Yes. And I think that says a lot about his character. So, one, uh, you know, I I know a lot of people want Ohio State to win. If Ohio State doesn't win the national championship, I want Joe Burrow to win the national championship. Not LSU. I want Joe Burrow to win the national championship. He's a very likable guy. He's probably going to go number one, well-deserving of it, and, uh, you know, really couldn't be happier for the state of Ohio to get a kid like that from a poor community like Athens to take home that award that that really means a lot yeah and they've um, raised two hundred thousand dollars for the food yeah, pantry that's because of his speech that's amazing hey two quick things i wanted to tell you real quick uh one uh troy davis getting the head coaching job at lewisville it's the right hire it's perfect yep. they couldn't have gone with a better name talking to him the other day he immediately mentioned guys like paul farah and rick chrislip and paul starkey and i thought to myself Jeff Twitty probably didn't even know who those guys were. No. Um, and then, two to add to another story that was on the top of my mind, Kent State last night. I know they were playing in the tropical smoothie frappe Starbucks Bowl or whatever it was, but Sean Lewis has the right idea with that MAC program. If, if Tom Arth and if Akron were watching that last night, make yourself more like Kent State and less like who you're trying to be at Akron U because Kent State has the right idea. For once. Sure. sure. <laughs> For once. But also yeah. proud, proud of all the Stark County kids, too. Guys like Absolutely. Nick Faulkner and uh, John Henry Bronzak and uh, some of the other kids, Adam Gregory, who's on the line. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know in talking to Nate Moore last year that, that he said that a lot of kids are choosing Kent State because Sean Lewis, who is the coach there, he's got the right idea on how to attract kids to come to a school 
that hasn't had football success like the Kent State. He gets it. He has the right idea. And that's why they put 51 points up in a bowl game last night. And, hey, it's their first bowl game win ever. It means a lot to that program. That's fantastic for them. I agree. And thank you, John. Have a If I don't talk to you, have a wonderful Christmas, uh, you and your family, and I will talk to you soon. i got to go. Yeah, you as well. Send my best to Kirby and the family as well. Thank you, man. Hour number two of the week. That was the pre-Christmas Hanukkah version. And um, I've got on the line with me right now, I talk to this guy all the time. And I absolutely love him. Um, I am grateful that he took his Saturday morning off to come on and talk with me. The new head football coach of the Louisville Leopards, Troy Davis. Troy, how are you this morning, man? Oh, doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Coach. You're welcome. I am... You know, the first thing that came to my mind is they finally got it right. It, <laughs> it took them a year, but they finally got it right. How does it feel right now? Because you, you and I have talked, and it, it, it's got to feel great right now. Has it sunk in? Uh, you know what? It, it has not sunk in. I thought about the title of your show, the, the week that was. This is the week that it was for me. It's been... <laughs> It's been a crazy week, fantastic, uh, just just being in this position and, and finally being able to look forward, look forward from from getting the position to looking forward to what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, Troy, i, I got to tell people this, that you had, uh, you know, you went for this last year. You and I both know that uh, Louisville is a very unique community and it's a community that you have to understand and you have to get you grew up there you went to school there you've coached there almost your whole career um you get it you're part of that whole paul farah uh rick chrislip uh all, all the people that come before you that are Louisville people that turn that place into a, a mini dynasty um and and it's a unique place that only someone who lives there can get. Uh, and it's you can't bring somebody from the outside to expect to do that. You get it, right? I absolutely get it. And, and my year away from the program even helped me understand that more. Uh, just, just the people of Louisville are special people. The football players of Louisville are a special brand of football players. I remember Rick Chrisop when I played for him. And he would say, you know, this is a special place. Um, Louisville football players play hard. They play tough. They fight to the end. And, and, you know, I heard all that stuff. And then after living it and coaching it and then walking away from it and seeing it, it's it's what it is. This is a, a unique place, and I'm blessed with the opportunity to be here. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I know you are. And it's what people need to understand is it's a it's a mission for you versus a job <laughs> you know yeah. you could have stayed you had a great position at mount union with vince Karras, who i absolutely love and uh a, a program that is it is run so well and you could have stayed there forever and grown in that program gone off to other colleges as a head coach whatever but you kind of 
sacrificed to a certain extent to come back and take over a Louisville program is kind of in a little bit of disarray right now. Uh, well, Coach, you know, one thing that I realized is that uh, you cannot change what's in your heart. And, uh, and I absolutely loved being at Mountain Union. Uh, Coach Terrace and his staff and the players are their phenomenal people. Um, I told him last week when, when I went in to meet with him face-to-face and tell him that I was going to Louisville, I said, Coach, I'm sad to leave you and your program because I absolutely love it there. But I said, Coach, this is something that I have to do. This is deep inside of me. It's always been inside of me. You're right. It's, it's a mission, Coach. It, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and, and I told Coach Karras that, this is one of those things in somebody's life that they just have to do. If they have the opportunity, they have to do, and this is one of those have-tos for me. Yeah, and I get that. I do. I mean, because you know as well as I do that I tried to tell you to tell them to pound salt and stay at Mount Union because they pay. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but you, but after I started kept talking to you, I was like, yeah, the, he has to do this. He has to do this, and, and I get it. I get what you're doing. I met with the players this week, and, and I told them um, my big thing right now is talking about commitment. And I talked to them about how commitment shows itself in so many different ways. And if we're going to be committed, committed to being great at football, we have to be committed to being great people and great at all facets of our person. And, and then I finished it up with, and if we're going to talk about commitment, I'm going to tell you why I'm here, because I'm committed to the dream that I had I'm committed to the vision that I had, that I wanted to be the Louisville football head coach, not not because I wanted it for me, because I want it for the program. I want to be able to leave this program someday. That it is it is a great program that I have that I, that built me, and, and and give it to somebody else and let it inspire them and let it take kids as far as it can go. Let me talk about the journey with you because I think this is crucial. Last year when you wanted the head job uh, the board and everybody decided to go outside find somebody else at that point uh, you could have given up to a certain extent you could have said well this is it I'm done with coaching I didn't achieve my ultimate dream this is but you kept going ended up at Mount Union um, have had other opportunities at other things in your life. There, the other opportunities have opened up for you in multiple areas. And yet, how did that help you get you to a different point from where you were last year to where you are today? Well, one thing, Coach, about the journey, and and I appreciate you saying that about last year and 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 this whole process when when. And this is behind me, and this is behind us. Yes. But one thing I want to talk about is that um, during that process, uh, God, I'm telling you, Coach, I'm a Christian, and, and God entered my, my mind and my heart and said, Troy, I have a game plan for you. You follow my game plan. And part of that was opening the door to Mount Union and, and you know, giving me a stronger set of tools and resources to, for my future and going over there and the coaches over there, I soon learned that I'm working with coaches that are professional coaches. 
they get a paycheck that says football coach and and they they run like the big dogs and and I was thinking can I do that can I run with the big dogs and and I was excited that I could and and everything that I learned over there from 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 how to run a program to how to install the defense to to how to get kids fundamentally better I learned a lot of great things over there at Mount and it was great for me to see that difference from from being at Louisville for so long to have something to compare it to with a great program like Mount and I felt like when I came back to Louisville that I was coming back a different Troy Davis than I was before. And uh, with all the things that built me to where I was were there, but now I had something new and something uh, added to me. And I'm excited to bring that to Louisville. And it, it, it's an inspiration to other people. It's an inspiration to me, Troy, because, uh, and, and it should be to everybody, because when a door closes, you could either stop and not go th- not go through another door you could freeze and be done or you can find another door to walk through and it's kind of funny that you know you talk about god and you talk about things but he led you to mount union and then back through another door back into the same one you wanted even better than you were before absolutely i i uh you know he he gets in your heart i i i knew at the time when I when I left Louisville, that I could have very easily left bitter, and, and my wife even asked me. She's like, Troy, why why are you not angry? And, and the only thing I could tell her was that you know inside my heart, God was saying, this is what I want you to do. And so I followed that, and uh, and 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 it, and it worked. And and coach, I'm a fighter. So I, I know that. <laughs> I know that from your playing days. I know that from from all the all the times I've witnessed you, coach. So I know that, but but other people may not, and that's what I'm trying. You you are a fighter, and you are somebody who keeps going. W- what has to happen at Louisville now? Well, first thing we have to do is, is, and this is what I told the administration, we have to get as many kids in helmets as we can get, and then we have to keep them in helmets. So it's, it's recruit them and retain them. Uh, that's the big part. The other part is we have to connect all the pieces, uh, and we have to have a, a phenomenal uh, touchdown club. We have to have a booster club. I mean, we got we got to re-energize and re, uh, you know, just get everybody excited again. And I'm feeling that. I get a ton of information from people that they're excited about where we're going. Um, I uh, I met with the touchdown club the other night. I spoke with them about what 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 it felt like when when I was here and we were going to the state championship game and how excited people were and that commitment to being great. We're going, to, we're going to push that theme through Louisville. Our kids are on board, and we're excited. We're going to be a disciplined program that everybody is proud to be a part of. And your kids are going to be the, the great kids that off the field, too, and I know that about you. And that's what, that's what I'm excited about also for the people in Louisville, is that your young men, are going to be prepared in other areas of life, and I think there's so many great coaches in Stark County that do the that do that that prepare kids for afterwards. But I know where your heart is. I know where your mission is. I know what your total goal is, and that's to have kids that not only play well on the field, but do the things they need to do out in society too. Absolutely. I, I when I spoke to the Touchdown Club, I talked about the fact that. Uh, our, our old principal, Louisville, 
had taught me a lesson a long time ago, and she said, Troy, when you coach here, remember that your coach, the most of the guys you're coaching are going to be dads in our community, and you're building a stronger community for us. And, and so first and foremost, we are going to build strong young men, and we're going to win through that. Coach, those are things that I've learned from you when I played for you. Um, I learned those from the other coaches that I've worked with here at Louisville. And lastly, I just learned those again or, or uh, you know, saw those again through Coach Karras at Mount. And, and that's one of the things I told him when I left him, that Coach, uh, Coach Karras, I want, to be, I want to be like you. I want to do the things that you're doing, and I want to do those at Louisville because he runs a program that builds strong men too. Yeah, and I know you will. And, and congratulations to Louisville. You know, I say congratulations to you, but more congratulations goes to Louisville because they they finally hired the right guy, the guy, uh, a person who looks at this job as not a stepping stone, not as anything else. It's a mission, and uh, I congratulate them for making the choice. Troy, I congratulate you. I love you. I I know you're going to do a fabulous job. Uh, but it's uh, it's a real happy moment for me to see you in the state where you're at right now. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I'm excited about it. Uh, when I was going through this process, and, and, you know, with any job interview process, it's stressful. Um, but this process is especially stressful when it's something that you love. And, and, uh, and I was talking to one of my buddies about, you know, am I doing the right thing here? And he said, Troy, he goes, what happens when you cut yourself? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you bleed blue. And, yeah. and, uh, and I said, thanks, man. I said, you, you're exactly right. This is the right place to be. Well, I, I wish you the best, and, and uh, I'm here for you. Um, talk defense or, or... – Hey, we'll, we'll have a coaching shirt and a headset ready for you every Friday night. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I can't go that far. Uh. Uh, but I, I wish you the best, and we'll continue to talk, obviously, and and uh, love you. I'll, I'll, I'll love, talk love to you, you soon, too, man. Troy Davis, right, take care. new head coach of Louisville Leopards. He'll do a great job. Take care. Oh, I will talk to you soon, and uh, take care, Troy. Sounds great. Thanks, Coach. Okay, since this was news this week, I do have to get into it, and then this is the last I'm going to talk about this until it goes to the Senate. But the House of Representatives did vote this week, I believe it was Thursday, to impeach President Trump. The vote was strictly along party lines with uh, 230 yeses, 197 noes for abuse of power. Uh Two Democrats voted no. No Republicans voted yes. Then for obstruction of Congress, uh, there was 228 yes, 198 no. Three Democrats crossed over and voted against that. No Republicans voted for it. But now what's happening is uh, the latest is that the it has to go to the Senate now. <clears throat> well, you know the Senate isn't going to pass it. They're going to quit them. It's going to be done. 
But instead of sending the articles of impeachment over to the Senate so they could have a hearing, a trial, so to speak, um, now the Democrats are saying, no, we're not going to send the articles over to you unless we get a, quote, fair trial. Now, fair is the most nebulous, ridiculous term anymore because trying to find what fair means. So you throw that out and you say, we want a fair, impartial trial in the Senate. Well, what did the House just have? It was completely on part on partisan lines. It was they got to call the witnesses and everything. They voted along party lines. Was that fair? But now they want a fair trial in the Senate, where the Senate has a majority. Now, where do you think they're going to vote? So now they're going to hold on to this so that the trial can't take place. So they could hold on to it forever. Um, One of the senators, oh, Clyburn, from uh, uh, Senator Clyburn, one of the Democrats in in the Senate, said, if you have a preordained outcome that is negative to your actions, why walk into it? Wasn't that what just happened in the House? I would much rather not take that chance, he said. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So let's just keep it going, because here's the thing. Democrats have have done a great job with the economy because since Nancy Pelosi announced a formal impeachment inquiry into Trump in September, stocks have gone up 7%. Thank you. Let's just keep this going. I don't want to have a downturn. Hang on to those articles of impeachment. But you know what's funny is, and I told you this before, and Peggy Noonan touched on it in the article that I read last week, that it's disappeared. I'm watching the news on TV. There isn't anything about it. I'm watching, you know, I've gone to websites and everything. It's completely disappeared. It's just, it's not a big deal to people. You could say it's historic. It's happened four times. It happened to Bill Clinton. Yeah. It's happened. It's almost happened to numerous presidents. And it may happen again to President Trump. You know, this is this is something that's going to be ongoing. So just, again, it's theater. Stocks are up. Just keep going. Did I hear that this was the seventh time they tried to impeach him? Trump? Yeah. The seventh, seventh time they brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. They've, they've wanted to do this uh, ever since the election. <laughs> so it, it, they wanted to. Well, I saw there was a website that went up on Inauguration Day that was something about impeachment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
I mean, he, he, he obstructed justice by being elected. But this is what's going on now. So now they're going to hold on to the articles until they get a fair trial. Ain't going to happen. I guess as long as they keep doing this stupid stuff, it keeps them from actually having to do any real work. There's nothing going on. Yeah. There's nothing going on, except the economy is booming. Yeah. Um, even Joe Biden said there are jobs out there. This week he said there are so many jobs. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking when he said that, but there's a job out there if you want it, he basically said to everybody in a speech. I'm like, okay, why do you think that's happening? A quick story, by the way. I'm done with impeachment now for a while until we find out what's going on with the articles. Engineers have created, they, they do all the uh, an autonomous, invincible robot insect that cannot be flattened. A new soft robotic insect could one day form a part of a swarm designed to perform a number of different tasks. This was done in Switzerland. They developed this. This insect cannot be squashed, cannot be flattened. And I'm thinking... God already did this. It's called the roach. <laughs> not a big deal. Not a, not news. Not news. All right, when we come back, I'm going to get into my top movies, Christmas movies of all time. My top ten. My top ten. And then some songs that I think are the best Christmas songs ever. We're going to do that when we come back. Stay tuned. You know, here are my four stages of life, Christmas style. These are very simple. The first stage of life is you believe in Santa. The second stage of life is that you don't believe in Santa. Third stage of life is you are Santa. And the fourth stage of life is you look like Santa. Those are the four stages of life. So true. I wanted to give you my top ten Christmas movies of all time. Let's start with number ten. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, even though it's not politically correct anymore. Um... It feels like an underdog story that we need. You think of you think of it as negative, but it's positive. There are clearly some social justice issues going on, but the core of the story is that Rudolph and his friends is a time-tested tale that proves that being different isn't something to be ashamed of. That's what it tells you. And persevering. It's something to embrace. It's a good story. If you focus on just the beginning, that's it. My number nine movie is Home Alone. And not because of all the stuff that happens in the movie, as far as the things he does to Joe Pesci in them. But 
more so the story of the family, the story of the old man across the street. There's some good themes in that movie. I still don't understand how a family could go on a trip and leave their youngest son behind and not know he's not there. That was a little far-fetched. But Macaulay Culkin was perfect in that movie. And and there were some good themes in that movie. So that's number nine. Number eight was Meet Me in St. Louis. It was a uh, Judy Garland. Vincent Minnelli, uh, it was a musical, but it was the movie that introduced Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Judy Garland. It's a great story. If you've never seen it, look it up. Number seven, A Charlie Brown Christmas. You have to include that. Even though these are, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Charlie Brown were, were animated. Um, Charlie Brown Christmas is a good, good story. That's number seven. Number six, the shop around the corner. You remember that movie? Jimmy Stewart, Margaret Sullivan. It is the movie, the remake, the adaptation of that movie was recreated in You've Got Mail. So if you've seen You've Got Mail and you liked it, you need to see see The Shop Around the Corner with Jimmy Stewart. It's a great Christmas movie. That's number six. Number five, A Christmas Carol. The original Christmas Carol. The best adaptation of Charles Dickens' legendary tale. It was created in 1951. That's when that movie came out. That's got Ebenezer Scrooge, the whole story. 1951 version, A Christmas Carol. That's number five. Number four, A Christmas Story. Obviously. It's the one shot in Cleveland. You're going to put your eye out. The lamp of the leg, all those things. That was number four. Number three, Miracle on 34th Street. You have to watch that movie. Miracle on 34th Street. Um, there, it, there was a remake uh, in 1994, but the original with Natalie Wood, was a great movie. Miracle on 34th Street. That is number three. Number two, my number two, White Christmas with Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye. 1954 it was made. The Holiday Inn, it was it, the, the, this is where White Christmas came out. Um, uh, Rosemary Clooney's in it. Um, It was a great movie, White Christmas. And number one, you all know, It's a Wonderful Life. There's not a better Christmas movie than It's a Wonderful Life. Those are my top ten. Now, all those other things, The Grinch Stole Christmas, Elf, uh, 
you know, na- uh, Christmas or what was that Chevy Chase movie? Christmas Vacation or whatever. I don't know what it was. But, I mean, those are good movies. But these are movies that touched you. The movies that had a message for Christmas. Even Home Alone with all the shenanigans that went on. All the tomfoolery. Had a message to it. A family. It was a great movie. Those are my top ten. Did I leave any out for you, Stephen? Did I leave any out for you folks? I don't know. There's a couple I like. What? Um, you know, I couldn't tell you the name, but it's the one with the heat miser and the the snow guy. They're, it's like Frosty, but, you know, the heat miser keeping it warm, you know, and they're trying to get, I think it's a year without Santa Claus or something like that. Huh. And, of course, one of the greatest Christmas mu- movies of all time I have to watch is Die Hard. <laughs> Me and John have argued about this. Die Hard? Yeah, it's a Christmas movie to me. but And a lot of people it is, but apparently to John it's not. We argued about to this To me it's year. not either. Yeah, it's, it's, but it is Christmas. Yeah. And it ends with a Christmas song. It does. <laughs> it's very Christmassy. <laughs> At least the second one they had snow in it. but Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I don't I, no. And as far as the um, Christmas Carol, I like the one from 1935. What? A Christmas Carol, but the one from 35. You said 51. That's the the original one's from 19. I'm sure there's probably one before that, but 1935. I like the yeah. I I, I like the 1951 version, um, which I thought was the best adaptation of the. But but you may be right. Yeah. And it's all. It's I'd have all to watch the, them back to back. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. And and the story itself is is a great one. Yeah. How much time do we have? Minute? When we come back, um I'm gonna get into my song, Stephen. I tried to list all my favorite Christmas songs. This is tough. I and and I could be way off. On these, there's probably stuff, but not carols, not rumpa pom pom. Although there are Christmas carols that I absolutely love, um, but but these are more mainstream songs that are about Christmas from different artists. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay tuned. You know, before I get into my favorite songs, there was a study done, survey. Let's put it that way. One of these days, I'm going to just do surveys and apply for national grants to do these because some of these are unbelievable. But this one, survey of pet owners looked into how close we are with our pets. 66% said they let their pet sleep in bed with them. 54% brought their pet a holiday present, bought them a holiday present or birthday present. 50% let the let their pet lick their face. 44% celebrate their pet's birthday. 37% have cooked food specifically for their pet. 32% have dressed their pet up in clothing. And 16% have taken their pet to work. I have done all of these. Every single one. I've taken my dog. 
I haven't taken both of them, but I've taken Imp to work with me. I let him lick my face, both of them, Imp and Picks. I let him eat, lick my face. They sleep with me, sleep with us. Um, we celebrate their birthdays. We've cooked food specifically for them. Well, Kirby has. Um, we've dressed them in clothing, especially in the winter. Um, give them a holiday present. They have Christmas presents. They have birthday presents. I've done them all. I've done them all. I'll sit there and let them lick my face, except for right after they eat. But other than that, I've done them all. All right, here's my song, Stephen. These are my songs that I think are classic Christmas songs. Now, we didn't talk about, we're not talking about carols. Twelve Days of Christmas I don't like. We talked about that. Too long. In today's society with instant gratification, they need to cut that down to three or seven. Twelve is just too long. Just keeps repeating. And rump-a-pum-pum, I don't like. It's repetitive. Um, Here are the classics ones. And I'm just going to go through the list. I don't know which one's number one. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Just because of Thurl Ravenscroft. Guy's voice is like James Earl Jones on steroids. It's unbelievable voice. You're a mean one. I can't even get, he's just got unbelievable voice. So you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, only because of Thurl Ravenscroft. Merry Christmas, Darling, by the Carpenters. I love the Carpenters. I have to admit, I love the Carpenters. I loved Barry Manilow. I'm admitting that. Um, Merry Christmas, Darling, by the Carpenters. I just thought she had an unbelievable voice. The Chipmunk song, Christmas Don't Be Late. Great song. Great song. The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. First of all, I don't think there was a a, a better voice there, there were, but he's unbelievable voice. The Christmas song. Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. You don't like that. I like it. I like it. Feliz Navidad by Jose Feliciano. I like that song. That was a good song. I know you'll hate this one. Christmas. They keep playing it, and I can't change the station fast enough. <laughs> you don't like that? No. <laughs> All right, I put that as one of mine. White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Great song. Classic song. I'll Be Home for Christmas by Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby is in here. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Judy Garland. This is from the movie Meet Me in St. Louis. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by Judy Garland. Absolutely. If you've never heard it, folks, absolutely phenomenal. Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow by Frank Sinatra. I know you won't like this one. 
but I do. Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. I hate that one, too. <laughs> I might have liked it once, but, you know, not anymore. All right. No Christmas list is complete without Burl Ives. So I've included Holly Jolly Christmas, A Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives. you gotta, you got to listen to Burl Ives. Sleigh Ride by the Ronettes. That's the song goes. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, okay. You know me. Yeah. Okay. I like that song. Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. You remember his version of that? Yeah. So I thought it was a great version of it. Kind of screams. You know, he's got that Bruce Springsteen style. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's neat. It's a good song. The Most Wonderful Day of the Year. I love that song. This was in, it's from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It was in the song, in the movie. The Most Wonderful Day of the Year. First of all, I love that song. It's the most wonderful. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Believe. By Josh Groban. Don't know that one. Great song. Now, here's a great one. This is a classic. I absolutely love this song. First of all, I love Stevie Wonder. What Christmas Means to Me. Have you ever heard that? Can't say if I have or not. When we go to break, let's see if we can find it and play, play it a little bit. What Christmas Means to Me by Stevie Wonder is a great Christmas song. And then finally, you're going to like this one. There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays by Perry Como. Yep. Can't go wrong with Perry Como. No, I don't think you can. Yeah. What do you think? How do you like my list? Yeah, mostly good, yeah. Mostly good? You gave gave me two that you didn't like. Maybe three. Maybe three. But you like the Ronettes. Oh, yeah. It makes me think of Goodfellas, though, because it's in that movie. It is. Yeah. It is. That's where I heard it, probably, originally. And Blue Christmas, I could take or leave. But I thought it was a classic. That one grates on me. The other ones, I can can listen. I don't like See, Rom Pom Pom grates on me. But that's neither here. That's the way Blue Christmas is to me. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my favorite Christmas songs. What did I leave out, folks? What did I leave out in movies? What did I leave out in songs? You could let me know if you want. The number is 330-450-1480. I, you know, I, I don't know if I left anything out as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, those are mine. Yeah. I mean, my views don't represent the views of WHBC. And I can't really say I don't listen to a lot of Christmas music. I'm in more of a Christmassy mood this year, so I've been listening to more Christmas music, but I haven't. So, you know, we were making cookies the other day, and they had it on, and I'm like, well, who's that? I like that. Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea who these people are, you know. Yeah. Just because I don't listen to it. And then the, the – I don't know. I, I just – I like the songs that are kind of um, – I'm not a big carol guy. Big Christmas Carol guy. 
See, I probably would like some of the... I'm a hymn guy. I like hymns. So I probably would Well, like, that's kind of chauvinistic, isn't it? Not hymns. Hymns. Oh, hymns. <laughs> oh. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so you like hymns. Hymns. What, what, now, what's the difference between a hymn and a carol? I think they're in the same vein. Oh. It's kind of that more classic-y, you know. Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a great song. Um... Like it Joy. came upon it came upon a midnight clear. Yeah, it's a great song. I think. Um, Silent night, I could take or leave. Yeah, it's so it's slow. slow. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't like We Three Kings. I don't like a whole lot. Um. Oh, Tannenbaum. I like Oh Tannenbaum. Yes, I like that. Yeah. What is a Tannenbaum? It's a tree. Okay. A Christmas tree. I think. It's German. I think. <laughs> I don't speak German. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what else? I don't know if I, I don't know. You know, like I said, you know, normally I don't like Mariah Carey, but I like her song this year for some reason. It's an old song. All I want for Christmas is you. That's a good song. Yeah. And that should probably be, I'll tell you what. It's I'm gonna re, I'm going to replace Blue Christmas with Mariah Carey's song. See, then I could listen to your whole list. No, you there. still couldn't listen to... No, I uh, can listen to them. I just don't like them. Blue well, Christmas, I can't listen to. You wouldn't like rocking around the Christmas tree, though. I can listen to it, though. I don't like it. Okay. There might have been a time I liked it. But, you know, you hear them so many times, and it's just, eh. <laughs> All right, we got to take a break. Um, let me... Oh, my God. The Spinners. Felipe. That was the lead singer. I actually saw these guys at Iowa State when I was in college. I love You didn't spinners. get on stage with them, did you? You thrown off? Like, no, I got okay. on stage with raspberries with yeah. them, and they threw me off. I love Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, what Christmas means to me. That's one of my favorites. Now, let's go back 50 years ago. 50 years ago, 1969. Richard Nixon was just completing his first term, his first year as president. Nation was still kind of uh, marveling at the first lunar landing. 
Gas was 35 cents a gallon on average. The median household income in 1969 on Christmas, on December 25th, was $10,000 a year. If you went shopping for a TV, you could buy either. You had the option, color or black and white. Hundred, you could get like $111 savings incentive on a black and white TV, by the way. Uh, a small council, now everything was a council TV at that time. There weren't any flat screens, there wasn't any just TVs. You had a council, it was $500. Get a TV for $500. You can get a front-loading dishwasher. For $175 in December of 1969. Matchbox cars sold for, you could get three for 99 cents. Uh, you could go and get uh, men's aftershave for $3.50. A two-piece gift set of cologne and aftershave was on sale, usually, at most cases, for $8.50. Uh, if you wanted to buy a car for Christmas, car dealerships were offering 1969 models in the area of $2,480 to $3,700 in 1969, depending on the model. Opt options such as air conditioning, number of colors, Three thousand seven hundred. That would be tops. That'd be like deluxe. You could uh, get your hair done. You get a budget perm. Could cost you around ten dollars. Simple shampoo and style. A whopping three dollars and fifty cents. You could buy a pack of film to capture all those Christmas moments for $3.79 at Shopper's Fair. Do you remember Shopper's Fair? Wow. Development, however, was not included. Do you remember the films? Oh, yeah, I remember the photo hut. Used to have a photo hut on 30th Street. Really? Yeah, a little yellow house. What'd you do? You go there and that's where you got film developed and bought film? Yeah. Do you remember the Bell and Howells? You don't remember that? Oh, yeah. I, I used to have a Bell and Howell 8mm projector and a camera, actually. I never filmed anything with it. You remember the Bank of Lights? I've said this before. Yeah, I've actually, well, I don't have them anymore, but I had them yet. My dad had a, had a little camera, Bell and Howell, and the Bank of Lights was like, it was like a See, spotlight. It was like four feet long <laughs> that sat on top of it. So when he did it, it would just light up. It would yeah. be like the moon, you know, just like a nuclear bomb. Yes. <laughs> and so every morning you get up, you get up on Christmas, you run into the room, and all of a sudden, whoosh, <laughs> there's these lights, and he's taking pictures. And then all of a sudden, when you play them back, for some reason, you you're running faster. 
Yeah, it always seemed to run fast. Speed uh, eight up. Eight millimeter, yeah, it ran really fast. I don't know why. Yeah. And then you had to splice it. And unbelievable stuff. But you could buy film for $3.79 at that time. Unbelievable. Folks, when we come back, I'm going to finish off the show with uh, five or six, up to eight stories of uh, kind of inspirational stories of passing it forward. Stories that uh, may give you ideas of what to do this week, may also inspire you. Um, but I think just hopefully touch you. I'm going to do that when we come back. Stay tuned. The week there was will continue right after this. You know, as we get stressed out, last-minute shopping, doing all these things, fighting over gifts, the whole thing, let's remember what Christmas is all about, what these holidays are all about, what it means. And uh, got some stories here that are real-life stories about people who got it, who get it, who understand. Um, like the anonymous secret Santa. This guy, an anonymous wealthy businessman from Kansas City, has been lifting the holiday spirits of strangers for the past 12 years by handing out extra cash who those, uh, to those who look as though they can use a little boost. With the help of a dozen local police officers, he hits up a few cities, hands out anywhere between 100000 and 200000 each holiday season, all in the form of $100 bills. This mystery Santa said he looks for people who have sadness on their faces and can give them hope that their life can be changed. He said, our mission as humans, humans, is to do random acts of kindness. That is so true. Kindness is the bridge between all people. Here's another one, a Christmas tree angel from Michigan. When Michigan resident Chad Rose just happened to have an extra Christmas tree that was used on his business's parade float, he did what any decent person would do. He posted on Craigslist to give it away for free. For some, a tree is an annual necessity an integral part of the holidays. But many, it's an expense that needs to be saved for with day, by giving up daily essentials. After posting the ad, his inbox was immediately flooded with touching stories of why various families deserve to have the tree. With each email he read, it became, became clear how significant a simple tree can be in contributing to the holiday aura. One email, which he shared with uh, read, having a real Christmas tree would be such a great blessing this year because usually we draw a Christmas tree on a large poster and hang it in the corner. Realizing that $25 towards a tree was too much 
for some families to spare. Chad went out and bought 40 more trees to give away for free. He spent most of the next day going over his list of emails, checking it twice, and not paying much attention to who's been naughty or nice, just deserving. But the good holiday spirit in the story doesn't stop there. A person in East Grand Rapids, Red Rose's ad, contacted him, and not to get, but to give. She offered to donate ornaments and other trimming for the 40 trees that he picked up. Going up to going out to gather more trees after realizing the impact it would have on those in need is just so generous, she said. It tells a lot about the character and makes you want to help. It's a great story. <clears throat> a college student who found her way way found her home away from home for Christmas. While all her classmates were eagerly making plans for the family and friends for their trips back home for the holiday, Jackie Turner, a junior at William Jessup University near Sacramento, was worried she would be the only student left on campus for Christmas. This time of year is hard, Jackie said. Everyone is talking about their cousins, their families, all the things that make up Christmas. But Jackie said she doesn't have any of that and never did. She told CBS News that she and her childhood were abusive and that she never shared in any of the experience she heard classmates talk about. Instead feeling sorry for herself, the, instead of feeling sorry for herself, the straight A student posted an ad on Craigslist, Craigslist, offering $8 an hour to rent parents for the holidays. She said, she wrote in the ad, maybe for like a couple hours, she said. Just be like the light of their life for that moment. She got dozens of responses to her ad, about half from parents who wanted to help for free, and of course about half from other young people who felt the same way she did. So she held a meet-up Christmas potluck dinner. People are hurting and broken, and we need each other, Jackie said. We need to be loving people. And I think that's what tonight's all about. Jackie not only found a mentor for herself that holiday season, but matched the needy with the needed. She continues to host yearly meetups with a potluck Christmas dinner because no one should ever feel alone at Christmas. It's a great story. I have one more before we go to break, and then we'll continue. The airline that made holiday dreams come true. This is a great story about an airline. Canadian airline WestJet delivered holiday cheer for 250 passengers on a flight to Cal- Calgary. The airline placed a digital Santa Claus at the airport and asked passengers what they wanted for Christmas. This is awesome. While everyone was in the air, 175 WestJet workers sprinted to nearby stores and bought everything they asked 
the WestJet Santa for. From pairs of socks to underwear, big screen TVs. When the passengers arrived at their destination, everyone was met with their dream gift at a baggage claim. This isn't the first time WestJet has whipped out the holiday cheer either. Last year, a flash mob of 150 volunteers performed a jolly dance in the waiting area for a red-eye flight, complete with a Santa on the tarmac and stocking stuffed in new iPads, iPods. This is a great story about an airline. I love it. Um, we have more. I'll have more stories for you when we come back. Stay tuned. The week there was will continue. You know, I almost forgot. If Stephen wouldn't have remind, reminded me, I was getting locked up in these stories. We're going to continue with a couple more. But this is your chance to win. This is my chance to be Santa Claus. I'm going to give away a $25 gift card to George's, known for great burgers. $25 gift card to George's, and I'm going to go to caller number three. What's your name, please? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you, sir? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing, Joe? I'm wonderful. Jeremy, did you get the answers? Oh, yeah, I did. All right. Is that your dog? I love dogs. Oh, that's a beagle, man. All right, that's awesome. Jeremy, here we go. I'm going to give you quotes from movies, and you got to tell me which movie this is from. All right. I gave you the answers earlier. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. Uh, Charlie Brown, Christmas. Very good. All right. Yeah, I think your dog's answering, too. Yeah, he's giving it. Yeah, he knows the answer. The answer there, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the next one. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Uh, I think. Oh, Christmas story. Yeah, you go. Yeah, the red, red, what is it? The Red Rider BB gun. Red Rider, there you go. All right, here's the third one, and I know you'll get this. Yes, yes, I do. I like Christmas. I love Christmas. A Christmas Carol. Yes, that was Ebenezer Screws at the end. Very good. You have won the $25 gift card to George's Lounge. I'm going to put you on hold, Jeremy, and then uh, Stephen's going to take all your information. And you could come in this week, I believe, up until probably Wednesday, and pick up the uh, the gift card. So Wednesday, all right. All right. Okay, Joe. Merry Christmas to everybody. You know, Happy New Year. Yeah, you too, Jeremy. You take care, and I will. Uh, I'm gonna put you on hold. Don't hang up. All righty. Right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Let me get to some more. This is a little girl who signed her school holiday Christmas card or Christmas concert for her deaf parents. Five-year-old Claire Cock used sign language during her kindergarten Christmas concert to make sure her deaf parents wouldn't miss out on the holiday cheer. Claire used sign language in the play because she was considerate of us and wanted us to understand the lyrics to the song her mother said. With her fingers 
and true Christmas spirit, Claire signed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Jingle Bells, and more, and absolutely stole the show. How about Beyonce? You know, we we look at celebrities sometimes with kind of like this, you know, they don't do stuff. But Beyonce was en route to a concert in Boston. And on the way there, she made a pit stop around Christmas time at a Massachusetts Walmart. And she just dropped in. She gave out gift cards to each shopper in the store, each one who was in the store. The total cost was $37,500 in gifts for just anybody who was in the Massachusetts Walmart. Here's my last story. How much time do we have, Stephen? Okay. A homeless man in Colorado used the little bit he had to give a selfless gift during a toy drive at a local Walmart. It's a toy drive. Glenn McCarthy walked to Walmart to get a cup of coffee and was instantly touched by the toy drive that was going on. He ended up buying a Barbie, uh, a Hot Wheels set, but he couldn't stop thinking about a shiny new kid's bike he saw. I looked at the bike, and the bike was marked $59, but the tag underneath it said 44 It's not a lot of money for some, but for Glenn, it was nearly everything he had. Later that night, he still couldn't stop thinking about the bike and how happy it would, it would make a kid in his shoes come Christmas morning. He walked back to the Walmart and asked about the bike since the tag listed two different prices. Once a clerk, a clerk realized what he was doing, she told him that he could have the bike for $44. I got to thinking, this is probably going to be my last Christmas, as Glenn had terminal cancer. He said, this is going to be my last Christmas. I'm no one. So might as well make some little kid happy. It took my losing everything to realize that I'm happier now in my life than when I had big money, he said. So he bought the, with the money he had left at the end of his life, he bought the bike. There's a teen who couponed his way into buying $1,000 worth of food for poor people. Now, there was a 16-year-old boy. His name's Jordan Cox. He had a knack for extreme couponing, a talent he uses to help he and his struggling mom to get by. But this Christmas season, the savvy teen decided he also would use his unique, his unique skill set to help struggling families in need. Jordan collected hundreds of coupons and purchased about $935 worth of groceries for less than a penny. Nothing. 
He don't he then went and donated the entire amount of food to a place called Doorstep. It's a nonprofit that dispenses food to disadvantaged families. He said, I decided I wanted to help as many people as I can and also show that it's possible to do this on a budget. Great lesson. A great lesson. I got time. uh, Two minutes. A guy in Florida just paid past due utility bills for 36 random families just to help out during the holidays. See, back in the 80s, he had trouble paying his own bills and went a whole winter with no heat. So that's why he did it. He made money. He now owns a business in Golf Breeze. He's doing pretty well for himself. So back in 80, because he had trouble paying his own bills, he went out, he spent $4,600 on it, and he picked out 36 random families he never met, and he paid their past due utility bills. These are great stories, folks. Great stories. These are things that we should be doing always. I... As I wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, may your days be merry and bright and full of love. Next time you're feeling stressed about the holidays, I hope you remember these stories. Count your blessings. Try and pay it forward by giving to those who need it most right now and to those who help others. I will be off next week to... uh, The bowl game, Iowa State and Notre Dame, I'm going down to Orlando to watch that. Be with my old teammates. I will be back next year. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah as you start tomorrow. And uh, I wish much blessings to all of you. Have a great week. Make something great happen. I'll talk to you next year.